you doing? My name is Luke Such. I'm Scott Bynema. And today, I I have no clue what we're talking about today. Scott is withholding said information. Yeah, we're, we're you're, I'm going to find out at the same time you find out. Right this here. is great. Yeah, we. If you remember, um, some some time ago, Luke had sprung a uh, a topic on me that I had no clue was coming, and so this no is, preparation was given. No preparation yeah. was given. Right. So you know, this is this is just. Retribution. Fair enough. Fair enough. So here's here's the topic today. All right. What we want to talk about is a uh, a theology of vocation. Um, maybe I could put it in these terms: Is God's call only for pastors and individuals in full time ministry, or does it extend to all people? Yep. Okay. So that's our that's our topic. You're just hearing it for the first time. But here's here's why I'm I'm uh, I think this is good because. You know, throughout really throughout the history of the church, this has kind of been been a question, and I think what's cr- some of the thinking that's crept into um, into the church is that yeah, this idea of calling is simply for pastors, people in full time ministry, and the rest of us. You know, we we pick our we pick our vocations, we do what we do, yeah. and it has, you know, somehow it's less important, less spiritual. Hmm. Um, it's, they're just, they're, God, in other words, God treats um, people going into full-time ministry different than in a secular vocation. Hmm. Um, I'm sure there's a better way to frame it than that, but, so there you go, Luke. Yep. What do you think? Well, I, I'm, some of it depends on definitions. Uh, broadly, uh, I generally, I, I think I frame this, I don't know that I have the same view of calling as most pastors do, or at least I frame it in different terms. Um, so I, I think I'd have to get over that hurdle first and say, what do we mean by calling? And then I can pro- try to give a little bit of a better answer as to whether or not I think that is something that is just for pastors or if that is for everyone. Um, I think I'm going to turn to the reformers pretty darn quickly on this question. Oh, good turn. <laughs> good. All right. Uh, because, well, I, I don't want to take anything away, but there, it's been coined as a Protestant work ethic, and it comes out of a different view on the dignity of all work. So yeah. we'll get to that, I think, at some point soon. But Actually, I think, I mean, you're, you're kind of teasing out maybe even a second podcast or a follow-up on a theology of work, mm. right? Because you can't talk about vocation yeah. without talking about work. And and if you go to the Reformers, that's really when we talk about vocation, the, the word vocation really means calling, yeah. calling vocation, vocation mm. calling. They're, the reform That was a big deal with the Reformers is that was synonymous. For Interesting. Them, right? So anyway, thoughts? Well, okay. So l- l- I'll try and start with my definition of calling that I'm not sure that I always share. I, when people ask me if you've been called into pastoral ministry, I'm like, I, I don't know. It depends on what you mean by called. If you mean I had some kind of uh, voice from heaven moment, no, I've not been called into ministry. If that is your definition. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, there it is. Oh, wow. Just <laughs> tingles right now. No, no, don't do it. Don't do okay, it, Scott. Okay. okay. Uh, yes, thank you, George Lucas, for making that forever <laughs> a part of my life. Um, 
so I, I've not had that kind of moment. I've I've heard many pastoral friends, people that I respect, um, and sometimes people that I don't respect as much, uh, that will kind of frame. You know, I was 12 years old and I was walking through the park and and I and God called me to ministry. And I think I, I'm not entirely sure what you mean. Mm. Um, is that is that just a feeling? Is that a audible voice from God? Um, I don't have that type of definition of calling in my own life. I don't think that God can't do that, uh, but I'm not sure that it's... Uh, let me frame this. It, I don't think that is necessary for every pastor. So if that's the case, um, I would frame calling far more in terms of the ability to, in terms of pastoral work, the uh, ability to be a pastor and and then the desire and then the opportunity and of those things, I look. I, I don't think I'm called necessarily in in the terms that people frequently use to be a pastor. I think I'm called to be faithful, and and that is the driving heartbeat. And I can, at at a personal level, I could be faithful. I think doing a lot of things. I, I think I could honor and be completely um, within God's will and honoring Him in many different avenues, either within pastoral ministry or without. Um, so I, I think faithfulness is something that I've been called to. And as I, I have a desire to do this line of work, to preach his word, to shepherd his people. And as though that desire has been met with affirmation that I have the ability to do that, opportunities have showed up and I would kind of put those together to say that is a calling that I joyously embrace. But if you think of calling in those other terms, then I probably wouldn't. So I think that, and that's, okay, that's helpful. I'm thinking, okay, so I'm, uh, let's say I'm an engineer yeah. and I work for a local manufacturing company or I work in healthcare or I'm a school teacher or I'm a stay-at-home mom. Is your, what you just defined as calling, or what yes. you, right? Is that any different for me than it is for you? Did, is God as present and active mm-hmm. in what I am yeah. doing or can I say called to do? as you are. Is it, is it really any different? Uh, the answer is yes, God is as present and active in all of the, there is no sacred secular divide in my mind. Okay. Um, would you, so yeah, we're getting, yeah, this is good. Okay. Okay. So, so there isn't a dignified work and undignified menial labor. That's just like, okay, it's just drudgery that is a part of the human existence, but doesn't actually factor into the glory of God. Absolutely not. Dispense with that notion as quickly as I can. You can be an engineer. You can lay bricks. You can drive a truck. You can watch children. You can care for your garden to the glory of God in the same way that you can preach a sermon to the glory of God. I think some of those may be a little... uh, There's less distance between that ultimate end and the task, not in terms of effectively bringing God glory. I think you can effectively bring God glory in all kinds of different ways. But in terms of like the mental connection that I'd have to make, sometimes it's harder for me when I'm, you know, uh, cutting down a tree or something to that effect to think about the glory of God than when I'm looking at a, a biblical text. I don't think that one of them is necessarily better or worse, Rather, it's it's just a little easier for me in my own thinking to be closer to the end goal. 
that both of them share the same end goal. It's just whether and how hard it is for me to get there. Yeah. Okay. So, so what you're saying is there, there is no, there really is no difference, certainly from better, good, better, best. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly these vocations are all different, but again, we're using, I mean, we're using calling and vocation synonymously. Right, I think so. Right, and I mean, and would the, you agree reform- with that or no? The, yeah, and I would lean into okay. reform- the reformers. That's where they went, right? And they responded. Their this whole idea of a theology of vocation was a big issue for them because, and it, it came out of a response to the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church was saying that the call into, you know, into priesthood, monastery, mm-hmm. um, being a, you know, being a a nun taking the vow of celibacy, that that was a better, better and higher. It was yes. a calling, differentiating it from people who weren't called into ministry. And so the reformers responded to that by saying, "No, no, 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 no," and they begin to frame it, mm-hmm. you know, with from a standpoint of just. And I think this is where we, we probably want to go next: is just what would, what are some passages. Maybe we can create kind of a biblical framework for thinking about this, right? So, sure. um, because maybe I'm again, I'm I'm thinking I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mom, or I drive a truck, or whatever it is that God's called me to do. What are some passages that frame this? That this is all part of, you know, kingdom living, and this is all part of. The as you go making disciples. This is all part of a grand calling that we all have, and He's put us in different places, right, to accomplish different things, but all for the kingdom, all for His glory, and and there's really no differentiation in the in the calling. So, yep. Any thoughts on on passages? Yeah, uh, I'm, Colossians three is going to be the first one that jumps to my mind. It's a quite famous verse. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Mm. Right. So right, there's a an end purpose connected to work. Great. Whatever you do, there's no like there's no wiggle room in that. There's all of it is for God. Yeah. You go, great, okay, I can do that. Um, I think of First Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12 jumps to my mind. I, I'm trying to remember what version I memorize it is. But uh, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands, just as we told you. That, that's, that's Paul's instruction to the Thessalonians. Like, so opposite of what I, like, when I think of particularly people my generation and younger, they want to do something big and grand. And, like, it's only important if it has a hashtag and a movement associated with it. And that's just not biblical. Mm. Important is make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Oh, okay. Well, you can bring God glory in complete obscurity. You don't have to be a a conference speaker or someone who is has notoriety that gets interviewed on sixty minutes someday. Like none of that is a requirement to honor God. Well, now if, if we frame that and, and relook at what we're trying to accomplish with our vocational life and go, oh, there's, there's lots of ways to do this well. Great. I, I don't have to, in, in many ways, you probably shouldn't desire for that big grand platform. That's, that's a, a scary recipe of pride, right? There are very few people that I think are able to manage that without falling into the vain glory of themselves. So I, I jumped to those two. That was my first one. What, what, where do you go in your mind? 
Yeah, I mean, I would start, you kind of mentioned earlier just the theology of work. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I, we got to go back to the beginning and God ordaining sure. work. And what's fascinating for me, you know, just thinking through that, I always kind of thought work was a was the result of sin. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and it hit me between the eyes when, you know, by God's grace, he opened up the re- realism that, wait, the, 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 the command to work was before the fall. Right. So there's great blessings in, in work. And so, you know, that idea of work is tending to and being stewards of all that he's put there. So as an engineer, I'm a steward. As a, as a, as a stay-at-home mom, I'm a steward. As a truck driver, I'm a steward. Now, steward of what? I mean, we got to get there. But mm-hmm. I think it starts there. And then I think as Christians, part of that framework is going to be the Great Commission, I mean, yeah, we've yeah. we've only been given one thing to do by by yep. our Lord, right? I mean, we you just peel it back, boil it down, and it's one thing. It and it isn't go. The, the command there's not an imperative in go, and it's it it's assumed. It really a good translation would be as you go, and we're all as we're going. Yep. We're all as we're going somewhere, and as you go, make disciples. And so, if I'm a if I'm a stay at home mom, man, the front line of disciple making is going to be my children. But when I look at even my vocation. In what ways am I living out that that mandate? Because that's that's my purpose mm. here. Peter said it a little bit differently. Remember in First Peter two nine and ten, he, he said we've been we've been called. Um, there there we go again calling, but we've been called to do one yeah. thing: to proclaim the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. So what is that? Again, what does that look like with where I'm, where God has planted me? Whether it's in in church ministry, or whether it's you know being a school teacher, or whatever my vocation might be, right. So those would be a couple of places that you know. In addition to what you said, that I would go. I think you know the um, Matthew twenty two love, love God, love others. I sure. mean that's that's going to frame because you're 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 in full time ministry and. But there's going to be people that you're just never going to touch because you're, you're not omnipresent. And so, you know, when I go to school, when I go to work, there's people I'm touching that you know my pastor will never touch, and I'm mm. I'm called I'm called to be in that place, not just for the good of where I'm working, but for the glory, you know, for the glory of God, and to live out that mission. Right. So, if I'm hearing. I mean, think about this and try and frame it well. I, I like the emphasis in the in the Great Commission, right? It's not a like everybody has to be a missionary now go. It is far more passive on the specific of what you're doing as you're going. That's make right. disciples. Yeah. And I, when I I think I the trying to get over that hump of what that what that call is in the Great Commission. Um, I go to Second Corinthians five and that that. Uh, ministry of reconciliation passage. So I think about that, that we are as ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. There, There is an immense glory tied to just being a Christian. And, and, and I look at that passage and I go, this is not pastors. This is not apostles. This isn't evangelists. This isn't teachers. This is Christians, mm. that God makes his appeal to the world through you. And it's not a special class of Christian that gets that great, grand, glorious call. It is every redeemed believer who is a minister of the gospel. Yeah. Well, 
great. That is like, if we want to talk about calling in those terms, I am all in. Yep. I am all in. You are a called minister of the gospel to bring glory to God, to be a conduit through which God makes his appeal to the world. And what does that now do to how I work? Yeah. And and I think that is, I mean, to your historical point, the reformers bang that drum, right? They're, so Martin Luther's famous line, the, the cobbler who cobbles well brings just as much glory to God as the preacher who preaches well. And that sums it up quite nicely. We're it, like, it, okay. It does. <laughs> great. There, there is a a very, very sharp and clear understanding here that there is not a distinction between the sacred and secular. It's the idea of the priesthood of all believers. I am ordained, commissioned, sent by God to bring him glory, regardless of what work I have in front of me. Therefore, go and work to God's glory. And I mean, Luther's going to do that. He's going to kind of reshape a bunch of things. He's going to, we could have the same conversation on on the Reformation's reshaping of marriage and family. Well, that's, and that's how he looks at it, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, he breaks it down in this idea of calling and vocation. He breaks it down into three categories. And you, you know, you, you mentioned family, church, and then the third is going to be what, you know, because they were so consumed with the state, they kind of look at it from the standpoint of the state. But we just think about it, outs- everything outside of the family and outside of the yes. local church, there's a calling, right? Yeah. There's a vocation. And so I interrupted you. No, no, no. It's, it, I, I think it's good. <laughs> I, there are two, so when I'm listening to this, I have like a couple, like caveat, and then uh, I don't know if warning is the right way to think of it. So I, I want to, let, let me try and throw them both out and then we can see if we have time to respond to them or maybe you have some other things you wanted to cover on this. What does this mean for someone who is interested in vocational ministry? Do we, is there something that we need to very clearly set aside on that or not? Maybe not. Maybe you just say, and I don't know, I'm thinking out loud with you because all of my preparation has been right here in this conversation. And then on, on the second half of that, how do I protect against the workaholism that may come with somebody viewing work? This, this is the most important thing I could ever do. Therefore, I'm never going to do anything else. You know that vocation tied to work, um, a danger of falling into the ditch on the other side. So if if let me try and keep going on that that thought. If the Protestant work ethic is definable, and I think it is. I mean, you can. You see people talk about this. You go to Italy in the summertime and look at how Catholics view work. It's prob- it's different than uh, – it's not a – you know, there's a lot of vacation. There's a lot of, lot of lounging and sitting around. And, and the Protestant countries that are coming out of the Reformation view work with dignity and purpose, and, and they, like, delight in it oh, if it's done well. And if it's taken to an extreme, they, you know – obsess over it and it becomes a 80 hour a week, uh, type of thing. Um, how do you balance those two? Am I framing that? Okay. I think so. And okay. I think we can even, I think as you, you think about that, um, I think we can add another layer okay. in there to think about that. And that is just how does, how does sin, so we've talked about vocation, no difference, but how does sin creep into vocation? In, in, in other words, 
I think part of the answer to what you're saying is, in my vocation, how much of it do I live for my glory? Mm. How much? Of, how much of it do I do for my glory, for the yeah. praise of my name? You know, to build my bank account, my four hundred one k. How much of it's all about me versus all about God? You know, you you started with which I appreciate starting with the glory of God, but that almost and that is absolutely true. But I know it can almost become cliche, right? And and when we look at you know my work, my vocation, wherever I'm at, in those moments, I'm living for one of two. I'm living either for the glory of Scott or I'm living for the glory of God. Mm. Whether I'm a pastor, yeah, whether yeah. I'm a mom, whether and, and so I think you know, and and I think that's one of the things the reformers brought out. In, in other words. In my vocation, am I looking to be served or am I looking to be a servant? Right. In my vocation, am I the most important or am I considering yeah. others more important than myself? I think those are all that helps us to begin frame is it out of balance or not? That's where the, I think mm. that, that la- the next layer of real balance is. is and, and, and if I'm honest, boy, so much of is lived for our own glory and praise. It goes back to that heart thing that sure. we keep going back to. Anyway. Well, and I, I struggle with that so many times. I would love to say that I do anything with 100% motive in any direction. Like, I'm always a mixed bag. Yeah. So, like, even something that I think is like, this is just for God, and that is why I'm doing But there's, like, a little part of me that wants to be able to say, oh, I fasted. That You know, like, right? It's something yeah. to that effect yep. that you're like, no, 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 this is a spiritual act of worship. That has a slight sliver of vainglory, yeah. <laughs> and and so I, to be able to for me to pull out the scalpel and try to separate what's for my glory and what's for God's it isn't always easy. Just even in my own introspection, I'm not sure that I can do it. Yeah, I'm too foolish. Well, and one of the things, and one of the things that helps us, you know, as we self-evaluate that, I think, or self-diagnose that is, how do I respond when I'm criticized? Mm. Right, I mean, if I if I get defensive at work when I'm criticized, when my work is criticized, there's some real evidence there that I'm living for the glory of Scott. Right, because if I'm living for the glory of God, I'm trusting that the results are in God's hands, and yeah, you know, right. I'm living, and and that's part of the the gospel frees me not to live for my own glory and my vocation, but it frees me to live for the glory of God. And yet, yeah. there's all of these, as you kind of put there's all these things around me that are reminders, oh, you were doing that for the glory of self. Yeah, this, oh. is, this is a great topic in that it is a everyday application of the gospel. Yes. It, it is yeah. a, a can I... Uh, allow what is proper theological thinking to inform my minute by minute behavior. It's not an abstract, a hypothetical that just kind of lives out there. You get to look at this in the moment and go, all right, is training children up in the way of the Lord bringing glory to God? Mm. Okay, then I'm going to do it in a different way. I'm going to do it in a different way. I have a a story that I like to use. Um, I I normally dust this off when I'm talking eschatology, so I'll I'll, uh, try to keep it. We're not going to talk. We're not talking. Tell me, we're not going to talk. No, 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 we're not going to. About two, two. It's an uh, you know a little illustration. Two medieval uh, peasants who are working on a cathedral, and they are they're 
They're grunt labor is the proper way to think about it. They aren't the the stone layer. They aren't the mason. They aren't the the artist. They are just helping move the big blocks from where they are hewn to where they are going to be set. And if you think medieval peasants, right? They're they're moving these things on carts and it's muddy, and and they're they're struggling to get the block from point A to point B, and that's what they're doing. And and they're both two guys right next to each other doing the same job and they're working at it. And one of them's getting really angry and frustrated and you can see it. And the other one is, is still struggling, but with a different disposition. If you were to ask the first guy, what are you doing? Right. He'd probably grunt at you. He wouldn't even respond. You, and you're like, what are you doing? You ask him a second time and he'd be really frustrated. He goes, I'm moving rocks. Go, okay. Geez, sorry. And you ask the second guy, well, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a cathedral. Because he tied the end goal yeah. to the detail of the immediate, the, the mundane task of moving rocks is a means to an end of a glorious cathedral, right? Those are two perspectives that change the task. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, and that, I mean, I talk about it in terms of eschatology. If you know the end, it's going to change how you go about in the beginning, but mm. you can easily extrapolate that down to your your day to day mundane work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I think of you know when we in a in any of our our jobs, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the in the details, mm-hmm. good or bad, and that becomes the source of our joy. Whereas if we somehow we're able to keep our the eyes of our mind set on the purpose you know i i'm i'm here to make things better because the gospel always leaves things better than it found it yeah i'm here to I, i'm here to be a living portrait of christ no matter what the circumstances are good or bad um it, it it's a game changer hmm. it's a game i mean when i look at um, for those of us that wrestle with authority when i look at my those that the Lord has put in authority over me. When I begin to see them as, yeah, they're imperfect, but yet a perfect God has put them in, in my path because as I willingly submit myself to them, I'm submitting myself to the Lord. It's a game changer. Mm-hmm. But it, but yeah, it's a great point you make. I mean, that having the end in view, the big picture in view, is everything. Well, if I can, if I can connect that God's glory is in the balance. Yep. Yeah. In all of my little decisions, it helps me, right? Yeah. Like I I it's so hard to in the in the trenches of whatever your task is. Again, like I parenting is an easy one, but you can take it to a, it's an e- it's an easy one. An, an easy example <laughs> is what I meant. Not an easy one to do this. No, you you can take it to a a a more regular job setting and think about, I don't know, a UPS driver unloading boxes and you go, man. The glory of God hangs in the balance in how I unload this truck. Do so to the yeah. glory of God. Okay, I'm building a cathedral. That's what I'm working for. Not working to empty the truck or even for the paycheck, even though those are good things and, and need to be done. Mm. There is a greater, grander, more eternal uh, question at stake here. Am I going to glorify God in the way mm. that I do these little tasks? So I, I love the idea. I love the, the conversation. It, and it's one of those things, I mean, we've talked about this, I think, when we talked about theology of suffering. I think we have to return back to this over and over again. Like, 
I know that. And then I have to remind myself when I'm filling out an expense report, no, no, this matters. Yeah. The way yeah. you do this matters. Yeah. I think what you're saying is this doctrine of vocation brings the gospel into everyday ordinary life. If you're doing it, it well. It, 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 it transfers or translates the, the mundane routines of ordinary life by giving them real purpose yes, and yes. spiritual significance. Um, I mean, it brings a very, it brings God into the, mm. all of those mundane moments. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Well, as we kind of wrap up this, any, uh, any resources that come to mind? Yeah, I was pulling that up real quick. Um, so Miroslav Wolf is a theologian at Yale. He's far more liberal uh, in a lot of ways, but he's a, a really good thinker. There, there are some of those that I think he bring up interesting stuff, and he's done some work on on the theology of work. Um, I can't pretend to be incredibly intimately related to any of these. So I, uh, if you want to go out on a limb and go, just go see what someone who's really smart has to say about it, I don't know these books in, in detail, but he's a good thinker. Um, I don't know that I have anything really specific. Do you have a few? Yeah. I, Tim Keller has got a great book called Every Good Endeavor. Okay. And uh, it's, of all the books, as far as a the theology of vocation, um, it's just, it's really good. And, you know, he just, uh, it's practical. It, it really, and then, you know, there's a lot of, I think, online, you know, resources. Mm -hmm. uh, Piper mm -hmm. has a number of things. How do I glorify God in my job? You could, you know, Google that and, and it'll take you to Desiring God or how a business person can glorify God in, in his work. Um, Keller has a, a sermon on four ways that the gospel transformed your work. That is really, really good. Anyway, those are a few. Any uh, very quick counsel to someone who's thinking about pastoral ministry and calling in those terms? Yeah, you know, we kind of touched on that, and we didn't um, we didn't tease that out much. But I, I don't know that it's different from anything else, right? I mean, I, I it starts with desire, and yeah. you know, the scriptures say that that a person who desires uh, being an elder, it's a good thing, and and so. Uh, but my desires, I've got to I've got to understand that my desires are contaminated by sin, so I have to be suspect of my desires. But you know, if I desire to be in full time ministry, if I desire to be a pastor, it it probably starts there. Um, number two, have I been how have I have I been gifted? Yeah. Right. Um, in what ways has God equipped me for for this job? Um, do others around me, and I don't mean just family member, but I mean others in the church, do they confirm yeah. uh, this? Do The folks that know me best, would they say, yeah, you know, that's that's something that uh, you need. I mean, do I hear all of, you know, the people around me saying, you know, you'd be really, you'd be really good at this. That That's that's sure. kind of an indication. Sure. Yep. Again, whether we're talking about full-time ministry or we're talking about being a school teacher or, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, but, I mean, we need one another that's mm -hmm. part of the mm -hmm. one anothering, right? In a local church, is this for, is for? How about you? Any uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I would add one more. Whatever opportunity you have right now, be faithful there. Yeah. So if that if if the only thing that anybody in a church or ministry context will hand you is to be a greeter at the door, show up early, greet people well, think about and and just be a faithful volunteer in whatever capacity is available to you. 
And I can't tell you how quickly doors will open if you will be faithful with what little things you've been given. Go, mm-hmm. go be faithful. Yeah. And I think the larger stuff will come when, it, when you're ready for it and when God wants you to have it. Yeah, it's good. It, 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 it reminds me of a verse, and maybe we can, we can end on this, Paul in 1 Corinthians 7. And, he, he, you know, and he's talking about uh, the context here is, is marriage. But he says this. He says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him yeah. and to which God has called him. The Lord assigns us to a life, and then he, he calls us into that life. Do it all to the glory of God. Thanks for being with us.